So this morning we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. I ask that you pray for me, because as you can see, my notes have lots of notes. My mind's going all over the place. Um, I'll, I'll explain more in a minute. Let me go ahead and read the passage before we begin, though, right? So Lord be with us today as we look at your word. So, this is James chapter 1, starting with verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the word, world. I'm, I'm going to focus primarily on, the, on 19 through 22. To me, I kind of think that even that last verse, 27, is a message in itself, right? What is the religion that God the Father accepts as pure and faultless? Um, But there's a lot in this passage, so I'm going to focus primarily on this verse and on the part that goes underneath it. Be Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So um, last weekend I wasn't here. I was in Indianapolis over the last 20 years, I've been supporting one of our ministries in InterVarsity that reaches out to sorority and fraternity students, and they have a conference in Indianapolis every year. And, and, and 15 years ago, I developed a relationship with a man, uh, kind of a man of peace in this city who helps organize prayer for Indianapolis. I had no idea who he was at the time. It was a crazy experience. I found his, uh, this uh, house of prayer in the phone book. I was going to go to Greek conference, and they asked me to intercede that weekend, and I didn't want to do it alone. It was just me and like a volunteer, and I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it. Now, I, I, can't, I love intercession, but not alone. I like to intercede with other people. Um, and so I, 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 I just felt like the Lord said, you know people of prayer in Madison, there are the same people in Indy and you can find them. So I called the house of prayer, and I talked to this woman on the phone, uh, and I said, hey, uh, this sounds crazy. We have this conference coming up in a few months, and we could really use some prayer support. Is there anybody here who could join us? And so she gave me the name of this guy named Steve Freeman. I called Steve. I told him about the conference, and he said, we would love to come. No hesitation. And he brought 20 young people with him, college-age students, and they spent the entire weekend praying for this conference. And it was crazy to see this has been going on for 
for almost 15 years, this relationship. Every year they come to the conference and they bring a team with them. Originally, they were locked in a closet, no kidding, uh, to pray. The, the staff did not trust them. They were like, who are you? Where are you coming from? And over the years, they began to know them. The first thing that, that, that changed that was a couple years later when I asked the staff, let them pray for you. These people are very much like us. They, they listened to the Lord and they spoke truth over and the staff Every staff was crying and weeping after they went to prayer. It deeply encouraged. And, and after that, they began to open up. They let this, these people pray for their students. A couple years later, a student was healed, physically healed. Um, and the next year, they gave them a prayer room right across from the main hall, a giant prayer room. And they basically started the conference off with a, um, with a testimony, and they invited everybody to come and receive prayer. So the three or 400 students that were there all lined up at the door. And that's kind of how it went. And what happened after that, and this is what I saw this past weekend, um, students uh, encountered Jesus. I prayed for a number. P- students were healed. Um, students came to the Lord in prayer. Many of them weren't, didn't have a relationship, didn't even know what it meant to know God. And so these people all been trained. They would ask them, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And do you, and then they lead them. Uh, eventually, it was fun just to see. They'd keep coming out and go, she just accepted Christ, you know, and this kind of thing. And these people are like, they're like grandma and grandpa age, right? It's awesome. And, 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 and but here's the one thing I, and the last day this young woman comes up, she's all happy and she goes, I want to pray with Bob. Bob's a trip. I wish I could introduce you to him. Doesn't hold back, just speaks his mind, which can be a little bit nerve wracking. Do you guys know what a, in the, um, uh, a glory ball is. Okay, so this is an extreme charismatic thing. Basically, you kind of you kind of ask God for His glory. You take His glory, you wrap it in a ball, you put you put blessings in it, and then you throw it at people. Okay, so it's kind of like a way to pray, right? Now I've heard of this before, and I've been to some conferences where they do this. I'm not exactly comfortable with myself. Bob, Bob is sitting down with a leader of Greek InterVarsity. They're having lunch together, and he starts talking about glory balls. This guy's reformed. I'm guessing right now I'm going to have to debrief with him about that conversation. But, but um, I asked her, she's going, she wants prayer with Bob. What do you like about prayer? And she said, these people see me and hear me. She was so excited to pray. And Bob is like that. He just listens, and then he, he, will, he will help them pray whatever they want prayer for, and he may tell them what he hears God say. Just absolutely beautiful. And I'll, I'll tell you something about being in that particular setting. I honestly felt a freedom that I don't often experience in ministry. Like I, I am prophetic. I will give prophetic words over people. I can't do it in my region in university. It just, I, I've, I'm stuck. I, can't, I don't know what's going on. I'm angry at myself as I begin to realize that, asking the Lord what's getting in the way. But it was this beautiful blessing I went to visit friends that I went to college with. I've known for over 40 years and their son was there and I started speaking to him and he said, wait, let me record this. And I realized I was prophesying over him. Like God was telling me something that he needed to hear about himself. And I was kind of shocked that this was happening, right? Um, This isn't like, I would say this isn't me, but it is. This is a part of me. So it was just really beautiful experience um, and really wonderful. There's more that happened. I'll share some time about meeting uh, the daughter of a friend of mine who I have lost track of, found out she's on staff with me. Absolutely crazy um, experience that goes really deep. But um, I came back 
I was God. In fact, God gave basically gave us a car, right? Yeah. Uh, my friend, he he was selling a car. He sold it to me for half its blue book value. So really a gift, you know, and we're, I'm just absolutely amazed. I mean, I'm driving home and all I can think of, I can't believe this happened. Like, this is crazy. And the encounter I had with this young woman who's the daughter of a friend of mine from college even more blew my mind. And I'm in the middle of this, like well, everything that happened in the weekend, I completely exhausted. I get home, I have a day home, and then I go to meetings. And the meetings are, these people are wonderful. I love them, but it felt spiritually dead. It's kind of like I went from night to today and I am deeply like, I'm like, why am I here? Right? I can't even impact this. I feel like I feel like I'm stuck in this place. I'm, I was free there and I'm stuck here and I'm and partially responsible. I've been in this region for over 20 years and part of, and, and I haven't really done much in order to, with the help of God in order to affect change. Right. And I'm, and I'm struggling the entire time. I, to, I, do, I want to say something. You know, but, but I realize what I want to say isn't really going to be helpful. Where's God? You know, what's wrong with you people? Like that's going to go over really well, right? That's going to be like, oh yeah, we hear you, Peter. Let's all confess our sins now and, you know, get right with God. Um, and, uh, and so, and that's rough, right? That's hard. Um, and then I get home and, and, and something else happens. I'll tell you about in a minute. You know, I actually thought about starting this off because the main idea is, is uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger by, by just throwing some triggering statements out to see how people respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Emotionally, let's see how that would go over, right? Uh, Lori doesn't think that's a good idea. So uh, I don't either, honestly. It doesn't really help because then it just, sh- people, if you, if you say the right things, people shut down, right? Think about yourself. Are there some things that cause an, a, a sharp emotional response in you, right? Like if I was to say, like, I really think Liverpool's just been lucky this year <laughs> in their wins. And honestly, like Man City or Manchester United. <laughs> Sorry, I, I Christian loves Liverpool. They're at the top of the Premier League right now, although Arsenal is close. So you never know. And... Uh, and I tell you, Liverpool has a lot of injury problems, right? 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 So, you know, I don't think they can... I don't... <laughs> that's, that's fun bantering between friends, right? But if I was really a, a, a Manchester U or a, or a Manchester City or an Arsenal fan, it might not be so nice or friendly. You see those things kind of happen. And for us, it's okay because it feels distant. It's across the sea and most of us aren't connected with the Premier League. It's different if I started talking smack about the Packers or something like that, right? But but I'll be honest with you, it's amazing how um, things that are said can trigger us, right? And we don't always realize what's happening and we're already responding. Like the words are coming out of our mouth before we even think about it. Um, And it's even, for me, the, the hard part is when this happens to me, is to take a step back and realize, hold on a second, it's not, I'm not just representing like the Green Bay Packers here, I'm representing Jesus. That's huge, right? So the, the things that come out of my mouth, the words I say, how, the anger that comes out as well, isn't just about me, it's, it's about God. And people see that and it directly impacts my testimony um, and my witness and the church as a whole. Um, so I, I'll tell you this story, this is personal on another level, I'm going to try, some of you may guess what I'm talking about here. I'm going to try to be non-specific, 
But on, on Thursday, I got a text from a message in our system from someone that I, I have worked with and was hopefully going to work with that her position had been removed and her with it. Now, uh, you guys, you know how, what, it, what that is? That's a business way to remove a person. You remove their position. It's, it's a, it, this is how one, like, uh, one group, this is online, they said this process is, quote, gentler than firing, yet stings more than a layoff. Sometimes a position is eliminated for legit reasons. The company was overstaffed or, or, or they were, there were money problems or, and change was inevitable. But in other situations, the real reason is we're, we're eliminating your position because we're unhappy with you, but we don't care to get into it. Right? I hate that. I hate that. I hate indirect. I hate passive aggressive because, because I, because I, it, it eats at me. What, what was really going on? What did they really mean? Why did they do it? And when I heard about this, my initial response was outrage, right? Because I know this practice. I've worked in the business world for a while and I was so like, why? And this is me. I'm judgmental. I'm being judgmental right now. Why is InterVarsity acting like a bad business? Right? Why are they doing this? What the heck? What's wrong with them? Right? Well, I, I, I was like, I know who's responsible. Like, I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to go set them straight. That's how I was, I, I'm not joking. That's how I was thinking. I'm like, what will I say? I'm really disappointed in you. You know, like, how could you do this? Um, and, uh, and yet here I am teaching on this stupid passage, <laughs> right? What? Seriously. I'm, I'm like, God, not fair. Like, okay. So I want to be a good example and not a bad one to everybody. I could get up here and just tell how I messed it up and I got fired from university, but I don't want to tell that story either. Cause it's not true. Right. Um, but you know, it could easily have gone that way. I mean, I've, I've shared before. I've had confrontation with leaders before that have been, it's not that what I'm saying is wrong. It's the lack of respect with which I say it. That's the problem. I remember telling a person once that their hiring process was, um, oh, like a, like a, uh, family that was dysfunctional, you know, you mean you, you put the thing out there, but you don't really care about other people. You've already chosen the person. You just do it because you have to. And, and you know what? Like, how is that fair? How is that right? And I was really going after this leader and she was like, Whoa, what's going on? You know, and it had nothing to do with her. Right. I mean, she was a part of the system. It had more to do with me. I mean, I was really happy with the person that they hired. And ironically, that person is now my supervisor because I work for her. Right. Which is bizarre, but even she was there with me at the time and she was grabbing me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. Cause she knew I was going after one of these, like this person could have easily dismissed me right from my job, but I have a relationship with her it was a little easier. I actually went back to her later and apologized. I was way out of line again, not what I said, but how I said it. Right. I did it in anger and frustration, but here I am. I'm, 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 I'm outraged. It's unfair, but I realize I have to stop. And I have to listen, right? So verse 19, right, says in 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So as I'm talking about my situation, I want you to think of yourself. Is there a situation in your life recently or, or you know, maybe fairly recent where you immediately got angry, right? You were triggered right, by the situation. 
Um, and, and honestly, um, you know what a trigger is, right? A trigger is, in a, is an event that creates, uh, it kind of reminds you subconsciously or consciously of a painful experience that you've been in the past, brings up a feelings of fear, envy, scarcity, anger, frustration, self-doubt, pity, any of those things, and we respond defensively to that pain, right? We, we protect ourselves, right? We lash out maybe to push people back. We run away. There's all kinds of things that we do in response. That's a, it's kind of a, the toxic effect of a, of a painful experience from our past. And it causes this, this negative thing. So, but think about it. I'm, we all have these, right? We all can think about it, whether it's someone cut me off recently. I did have somebody cut me off recently and chase after me. That was scary. Um, and I didn't tell Lori about that. And I wish I hadn't just said that. So, um, but you see, but you see, I mean, that's just small. There's all kinds of things that get under our skin, right? And why? Like the question is why? Why are we triggered? Why does why do we get angry when people say mean things to us, right? Or do things that we feel are disrespectful? For me, what one thing that really triggers me is when people make assumptions. They don't ask me questions, right? They kind of jump into an assumption about why I'm doing the way I'm like. You know, stop, stop right there. Ask me about this. Talk with me a little bit. Understand me better. Or I'm, tr- or they don't really care to know me or listen to what's going on in my life right now. Those are, those things trigger me. But what about you? What triggers you? Think of one thing as I process this, you process your own, right? So, so 19 and, t- and 20 talks about the word anger. And I want you to know the word anger that's used here can mean everything from petty human anger to right, the righteous anger of God. And it's a, it's a general broad term. We're, we are not talking about the righteous anger of God. And there are, there are situations and circumstances where we should be angry, right? We should stand up. But, but even in that, we have to be slow, quick to listen, right? And slow to speak, right? Because remember, any response we have can trigger somebody else. And even if we're right in what we say, if we do it wrong, it can mess things up. Right? Won't, will not help the situation. And sometimes God doesn't call us to speak. He calls us to pray. Right? My favorite quote, I've said this before, um, from Oswald Chambers is, God didn't give us a spirit of discernment so that we could complain, but rather so we could intercede. Right? God gives us that ability to know so that we can pray for situations. And oh, I also saw today a, a friend of mine who was on staff with InterVarsity. He's a pastor for, from the Willow Creek group in Chicago, not the main campus, but one of the other ones, who said, sometimes the most loving thing a, a Christian can do is shut up, right? Instead of speaking, try to fix it. No, it's not going to help, right? Shut up, pray, let God take over. So, so, so here's what happened. I, I shut up and I started asking questions, right? Of myself, why was I so triggered by this event of this woman being let go? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'd had major issues with her that I just worked through. And if it was me, I thought she should have been let go a long time ago, right? Now, I, I, um, but I want to say this about her. Deeply respect her. She, amazing at what she does in many ways. And yet, I didn't like the way it was handled because a lot of promises were made that were broken, right? At least from my mind. Now, in business, it doesn't matter. But in the, in the body of Christ, it does, right? It's very different reality. And I don't want, I don't want, I realize one of the things that bothers me is I don't want InterVarsity to keep functioning like a business 
and have this duality of being a business and a fellowship, right? In, when, in, the, in these situations where a fellowship and these situations where a business and you get to pick and choose depending on the situation. In all situations, we are a fellowship. In all situations, we are the body of Christ and we need to represent Christ that way and how we treat and love one another, even in business decisions. That's me. I'm not the people on the top. I don't get to make those decisions, but it made me help. Like when I can say that, okay, I understand why I got angry, right? Uh, again, I said, I hate passive aggressive moves. That's what this felt like to me. Um, and I personally was let go of a job in a church years ago, right? And it wasn't, it was done very suddenly. Um, the church was struggling financially for a number of reasons. We were, we were experiencing some schisms, some splits and part, and their solution to the money problem was to let me go. And I was like the least of the least. So that may, may have felt like that was easy, but I was really loyal to the church through this whole process. You know, I had friends that were leaving and I kept saying, you know, no, I know we're not completely right in this, but I believe there's a way forward. And then when they fired me, it just all broke. They let me go. They laid me off, right? There wasn't anything about me, but it did feel personal. Um, and it really hurt. And I felt betrayed. And so what happens, that, it, that thing happens to her and I'm feeling it personally, right? Um, and I think the last thing is she had just invited me onto a team that would have provided some great opportunities for ministry over the next two years. That's gone. Door was closed. And all of those things, I, as I stepped back and realized, am I responding because of the injustice that I feel was done against her because of what I think is brokenness in the organization or because I'm afraid of being personally hurt? So what about you thinking of your situation? Why, why, were you, why are you triggered, right? What's causing you to feel that way? I'll give you a minute to think and ask the Lord. One of the things that giving space and time to and waiting to respond, being slow to speak, right? And uh, uh, quick to listen, slow to anger, is I'm not just listening to the person who's speaking, I'm not just listening to myself, but I'm also listening to God. And here's what the Lord's been telling me over the past few days. Um, one of the things really clearly was, honestly, Peter, you have no idea um, about why this happened or how it will all turn out, right? I wasn't involved in the conversation. I only had one perspective, right? And even though I... I I could understand that perspective. I don't know what what was going on with the other party. I don't know if there was an attempt to work things out and it just they just didn't get along. I don't know of a, no, a number of other possibilities. And so that's good to realize, oh, that's right. I don't understand the full story, right? And the other thing too is I'm very afraid about how this will impact my, my future. And yet I don't know. So here's one of the things the Lord told me last weekend when I was at Greek conference. For 15 years, I've been building this relationship. But the Lord said to me, and this totally freaked me out. He said, Peter, this is one of the reasons you went to Indiana University 40 years ago. Now, that doesn't make sense to you, right? But it's kind of like if you meet somebody here and, you're, uh, and you think about partnering with them, and one of the first things they say is, yeah, I went to the UW-Madison. There's a bond there, right? Especially if you went to the UW. Right? When you're in Indiana, if you went to Indiana or you went to Purdue, those are the two big schools in the state. They immediately either like you or hate you. So it kind of creates this bond. Yeah, it's really funny, right? I, I said I went to IU to one of the staff there and she just said, oh, I'm really sorry. 
I'll, I'll pray for you, you know, that was her response, which is kind of a common banter, but it immediately makes a connection. And I realized that I had an in with these people even before we began, just because of that one simple fact. And I'll tell you, I didn't, it wasn't like I chose or I felt led. The only reason I went to IU, my parents didn't go to college. What happened was my, my best friend's uh, dad had his PhD in education from Indiana University. He, my best friend was going to IU. He says to me, while having a meal at his house one night, where are you going to college? And I said, I have no idea. Have you applied anywhere? And I said, no. And he said, you're going to Indiana University. That was kind of how it went, right? So they took me. I did a tour. I applied. I got accepted. I went to IU, right? And I thought it was all random. I thought it was all random, and then I realized it wasn't. And it was so many different ways um, that just kind of blew me away. So I'm learn- as I stopped and listened in the midst of this intensely emotional experience and disappointment, I'm learning a lot about myself and how God sees me. And I realized I don't have any idea of how this will impact my future. It may work out for better than worse, right? So what about you, right? What does God want to say to you about the situation or circumstance that you were triggered in? Just take a minute and ask the Lord. You can do that right now. Lord, is there anything you want to say to me about that situation? I got the message from this fellow staff on Thursday morning. On Thursday night, I was speaking at the university large group on campus. And I was doing a uh, gospel contemplation. That's, again, like where you enter into the story with Jesus using your imagination. It's slightly different than Electio Divina. Um, it r- works for stories. Um, and, and I did the Jesus walks on water, right? And one of the questions I asked them as they were, con- they were imagining it, I had them ask Jesus, Jesus, how is this relevant for my life today? Or how, where are you asking me to walk on water, right? Where are you asking me to have faith in you to do the impossible, right? So the students are all doing this. I'm standing up front. Lurie helped me with this. It was great. It was kind of fun to see all this happening. And suddenly I thought, oh, I should ask the Lord the same question. What do you think he says to me? So this situation that you're in right now with InterVarsity is your opportunity to have faith and trust in me, right? To do the impossible. Because I was so angry and frustrated. This is me. I kind of, I'm a very, anybody, you get that I'm an emotional person. Okay. I'm very emotional. Poor Lori. Even every prep for a message, I'm like this. I'm like the, you know, boat being tossed to and fro in the waves, right? And, um, uh, and, uh, and the Lord says to me, you know, trust me, Peter, in the midst of all this. So and that's, that's amazing. Here I am thinking I'm serving the kids and, and, and doing this, and the Lord is actually doing it for me because there's something that he wanted to say. So 
I won't talk a lot about this, but it says the antidote, if you go on to the next section, the antidote for this is this. It says, get rid of all evil, moral filth um, that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says, right? So we know that this is an interesting thing. The word planted in us is both the word of God, scripture, but it's also Jesus, right? His presence with us in the midst of this. And, and, um, and the only way for this to actually happen is to humbly allow him to lead us and be in control. And, uh, you know, it's not that easy when you think about um, the word of God, right? If you're thinking about scripture, there's so much controversy over what this or that means today on a number of key issues. But on some of the basics, the foundational stuff, it should be, um, it should be something that kind of guides and leads us. I think about, and we've talked about this, like even the uh, passage in 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is, right? What if that was what, what he asked us to be obedient to? And if you think about it, actually, that should be the foundation of who we are and how we act and respond, because it is kind of the, the, the main idea behind the greatest commandment, right? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, what is love? It's patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. It never fails. So, and I, and you think about that, that's a word that we can all apply to our lives, right? Every day in every relationship, whether we agree with someone or not, right? Whether we're on the same side on any issue or not, whether, you know, whatever the situation, whoever the people are, God asks this one thing of us, which is huge, love them, right? Love them with your words, love them with your actions, right? Befriend them. Again, what did that young woman say about these prayer ministers? They see me and they hear me. And I said to her in response, they love you. She was like, yeah, they do. Right. And I feel like one of the things God's asking us to do with each other as a body, and we're going to do this retreat next weekend is to, is I think we do this, but I think he wants us to grow in this area, right? Especially in the areas where we disagree with each other whatever those areas might be. Um, how can we continue to love each other and create a space where anybody who comes into this place, although we may not agree with them in terms of their lifestyle choices um, or some of their worldviews, we still love. And I, I'll be honest, I don't think love means that you, you say that what other people are doing is okay. I think love is different than that. I think, you, I think love... Uh, love actually says, I don't agree with what you're saying. I don't think it's good for you. I don't think it's right. Right. But at the same time, I am with you. I'm going to journey with you. I'm going to, um, I'm not just going to, what's the word I'm looking for? What? Tolerate. Thank you. I'm not just going to tolerate you. Right. It's more than that. I'm going to be with you through this whole thing. I'm going to care about you. I'm going to respect you. Right. I'm going to be patient with you and this relate and I'm going to persevere in the midst of this relationship. Yeah. I the end of it uh he gives this contrast. It's kind of like 
he does in the beginning, man, this guy's blunt. Do you ever realize that? I mean, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the mirror and forgets what they look like, right? That's crazy. Um, yeah, but there's, there's so much more. Um, so what about you? So here's what I want you to do. Just in the, for, for the last five minutes, just turn to someone and do this in pairs, please, if you can, and, and say, you don't have to give the detail about what situation came up. Is there, just ask and as best you can for whatever you need prayer for in that particular area. All right. That, that struggle you're having, um, in being slow, slow to speak, quick to listen, right. And slow to anger. All right. So go ahead and do that now. And then I'll close us in prayer and move on to announcements. Lord, thank you that you are not easily, well, you aren't ever, but triggered by us, Lord. Thank you that you are patient, that you are kind, that you do not boast, you are not proud, you are, but in a different way. You don't dishonor us. Um, You are not easily angered. So, um, and in the end with us, you do not keep record of our wrongs. You do not delight in evil and you rejoice in truth that you always protect us. You always trust, you always hope and that you always persevere. Thank you, God, that you never fail. So us help us to be like that with one another in these things. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. So, you know, um, sometimes the reasons we're triggered um, emotionally, we're quick to, you know, uh, quick to you know anger and and quick to speak is because of hurt in our past and there are ways to receive healing for those things if anything comes up that feels overwhelming uh for you i would love to talk with you some more and and uh help you get the help you need um and i'm actually in a process over the next six months i'm taking a sabbatical from my official responsibility with university to focus on growing in this area myself and to deal with some of my own things um, so that I can help staff more in the future. Um, And so part of that is going to be exploring my triggers and some of my past hurts and pains so that I can be more, more patient and more loving towards others.